This podcast is brought to you by West Australia's Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. Hello and welcome to our series focusing on areas of broadacre grains research. These short podcasts aim to assist grain growers by delving deeper into our research projects that target crop protection, crop production, soils and genetics in broadacre crops. My name is Alice Butler and I am a research scientist with DPIRD based in Perth. Today I'm speaking with David Hall, a senior soils research scientist based in Esperance. Hi David, how are you going? Yeah, good thanks Alice. Okay, firstly, can you just provide us with a little bit of background as what has led you to working in soils in Esperance? Well, I didn't really have a traditional farming background. I grew up in suburban Gippsland, Victoria, uh, where my father was a commercial forester and his, he was tasked with growing plantation timber to supply a paper mill. Um, foresters use the term site quality and that encompasses soils and rainfall and slope. And that was my introduction to the world of soils and how they affect production. Um, studying agriculture was a vehicle to see different production systems. Today we're going to talk about sodic soils. Uh, can you just describe what they are and typically where they occur? Yeah, sodic soils are really a group of soils that have um, excessive amounts of sodium on the exchange sites. Um, and that, that sodium causes a whole range of issues. Um, we, we tend to see that the soils disperse, and that just means that when they're wet or flooded, um, the sand, silt and clay fractions um, come apart. And quite often in a dispersed clay, you'll see a milkiness in the puddles um, in these soils. Now the issue is that the dispersed clay either forms crusts when the soil is dry or it can start clogging or blocking uh, the pores and channels preventing water to infiltrate. And so when the soil is dry um, they tend to be more dense, they tend to be harder, roots find it harder to actually get through them and also um, obviously um, the water is prevented from being stored deeper in the profile. So the, there are a range of issues there. Um, but the other thing is that we tend to find some associated issues with sodic soils too. One of them is transient salinity. And because of the um, salts in rainfall, that tends to accumulate in these soils because there's very little leaching due to that poor water infiltration. We also tend to find that there's boron at depth. And so we've got a range of physical and chemical limitations within these soils that we're trying to manage. Those limitations, um, all those soil types, do we find them generally closer to the coast or in those low rainfall regions? Yeah, so, we, we tend to find a bit of a gradient. Um, so I'll just start off uh, with the eastern wheat belt. Um, because it's a lot drier there, we tend to find that the water, uh, there's an insufficient rainfall to actually leach the soil profiles. So that little bit of sodium which comes in from the rainfall tends to stay within the soil profile. It's not leached. And as a consequence, we tend to get transient salinity. We also tend to see uh, more alkaline profiles. Uh, and also we tend to find that the, the clays in that eastern wheat belt 
uh, tend to be very dispersive due to excessive sodium and also the high pHs. So rainfall is causing our sodium issues in Eastern Wigan. Well, it's <laughs> yes, part, partly due to that. In, in the high rainfall areas, uh, the salts are generally leached from the profile. And because of that leaching, we also tend to find that the subsoils are a little bit more acidic and tend to be a little bit more stable. And so the effect of the um, sodium is not as great in the higher rainfall areas as it tends to be perhaps in the more alkaline soils of the eastern wheat belt. Currently, what is your research focus um, and I guess you're leading up a sodic soils project. So what is the current focus of that project um, and what are you specifically doing down here in Esperance? We've currently got a, a joint project between GRDC and DPIRD, um, which is really looking at sodic soils and their management. Uh, we've got uh, nodes in Geraldton, Meriden and also Esperance. Uh, the Geraldton node is really looking at deep tillage with Wayne Parker. The Meriden node is really looking at water harvesting uh, and Ed Barrett-Leonard and um, Rushna Manir are heading that up, uh, along with uh, some work being done on in-furrowed uh, gypsum applications. On the south coast, we are looking at ways of reducing evaporation and some very clever farmers at Ravensthorpe, Lloyd Burrell and also Peter Dorr, have been looking at ways in which mineral mulches can reduce um, uh, evaporation of water. And this is really important because what we're trying to do is get more of the rainfall into the profile. And if we can reduce evaporation using any form, then that just means that more water is stored in the profile for the plants and crops to use. So mineral mulches may be in the form of sand or gravel, and we've recently uh, conducted some glasshouse experiments which have shown that by having two centimetres of gravel, uh, we can reduce the evaporation in the soil profile three to fivefold. And that just means that far more of that water is available for the crops. Um, it's there to, to begin leaching salts deeper down into the profile. Uh, so that's, that's pretty exciting. And we have seen um, work done in other countries uh, where they are using gravel mulches. So it's not really new, um, but it is new to WA agriculture. The other thing which we've been looking at on the South Coast is gypsum. And over the years, there've been a lot of gypsum trials. In about 2010, we were looking at probably about five to 10 sites uh, where gypsum had been applied. But what we were finding was that some of those sites were highly responsive and other sites weren't, even though all the sites were sodic. And so what we're trying to do at the moment is really reinterpret some of the chemistry in those soils to see whether we can get a better handle on really identifying those sites which are uh, gypsum responsive and not gypsum responsive and also how much gypsum needs to be applied to these soils to actually overcome the sedicity in the short term, medium and long term. Just on that, so when you're applying gypsum in these quantities, uh, is it like lime and we're going to have possibly an exponential kind of gain? 
or is it something where you need to every five years be maintaining, um, I guess, similar to Lyme? I guess what I'm, I'm trying to get at is, is it a short term or a long term solution, these gypsum? Yeah, it's both, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> so gypsum, the, the effect of gypsum in the short term is mainly through uh, its electrolyte properties. And gypsum is a salt. And um, just by adding a little bit of salt to uh, a dispersive clay um, just allows the clay to flocculate. So we know in salty dams, they're usually very clear. There's, there's very little dispersed clay, whereas in really freshwater dams, it can be very muddy and uh, highly dispersive. So that little bit of salt um, can really have uh, quite a big impact on uh, aggregating these dispersive clays. So that's the short-term effect. But in the longer term, what we want to be able to do is get rid of the sodium from the soil. And gypsum is a calcium sulfate, and the calcium from gypsum displaces sodium on the soil exchange sites, and the sodium can be leached down further into the profile. And that just means that where the soils or the clays are dominated by calcium, they tend to be far more stable and they tend to be more aggregated. So in the longer term, we probably need to be applying gypsum, you know, in top-up in intervals to try and, you know, get that exchange happening so that we've got a, a far more stable system in the longer term. Uh, whereas the electrolyte is very short term and, you know, it mainly lasts a few seasons because the electrolyte is leached out, out of the, the soil system. So in effect, you should be able to possibly measure the sodium percentage and then work out possibly how much gypsum. Yeah, you, you can. And um, I think uh, a, a lot of the commercial laboratories have a, um, um, a, a simple formula where you can work out uh, for this level of sodicity in the profile, how much gypsum do we need to apply? Mm. The only problem is that they come up with very high tonnages or uh, you, uh, for a lot of our south coast sodic soils, we may have to apply between 15 and 30 tonnes per hectare to actually get that you know, sort of exchange working you know, within the root zone. And if you apply 15 or 30 tonnes of gypsum, you will, um, because it's a salt, you, you will just kill the crop. So it's got to be done incrementally to be able to get that effect over time. Just from some of the mulching stuff, um, what are some of the positive results you've seen? Yeah, so the, the results from mulching have been um, probably beyond my expectations in terms of what we've been able to measure. So uh, this year we've seen uh, yield increases over a, a tonne per hectare where the mulch has been applied. And really what we're seeing is just better crop growth all season. So it just means that all that rainfall which is coming in, uh, very little of it's evaporating from underneath the mulch. And so that additional water is um, turning into yield. Uh, now we've we've run those the same tr trial for two years now, and we're seeing very similar responses, both in very low rainfall years, 
I think last year was pretty close to a decile two year at Ravi. Uh, this year would be a lot higher and uh, we're still seeing positive benefits. Uh, at another trial uh, at north of uh, Ravensthorpe, we've also seen benefits this year from the combination of uh, a surface mulch, mineral mulch, sand mulch, and also uh, gypsum applications. In the, um, so once again, um, the, the results are really encouraging. Uh, the next step is to work out the economics. I was actually trying to go there anyway. Um, claying is hugely expensive, so yeah. you're kind of doing the opposite in a way. Yeah, <laughs> Do you expect it to be a lot cheaper? It depends on how far the source of the material is away from the paddock that you're applying it. So it's similar with clay. If the, if the source of the material is more than a kilometre, uh, then you've got to you know, sort of really look at the economics a, a lot more. Um, uh, however, if you're applying two centimetres of uh, sand, then that's probably about you know, 400, uh, tons, 400 tonnes per hectare of sand. Uh, if you're applying gravel at two centimetres, it's probably about 800 tonnes per hectare. And so at 400 tonnes per hectare, it's probably equivalent to you know, what people have been applying with their claying operations, probably a little bit higher. But the benefit of sanding is that you're not incorporating it. Uh, so you just spread it out and it's so good So you're go. just spreading it out <laughs> on the surface and hoping that it does not incorporate. And so where to from here? So I, th I think the thing is that we've done some pretty theoretical research on some of these things, um, particularly the, the mineral mulches. We're seeing really good results, um, perhaps in a couple of locations. Really what we want to be able to do is expand our footprint so that we can see how far uh, it, it works, uh, whether mineral mulches are um, part of the fit for other areas. I certainly know in the Eastern Wheat Belt, we've got wadgel soils and we've got heavy sodic clay soils. Some are in the same paddock. I mean, if that's the case, then um, perhaps uh, there's a fit there. We definitely want to do a lot more work on gypsum. There's some, been some really interesting work done by Aidan Sinnott through uh, VRT Solutions, where he's been resampling gypsum, um, what he refers to as gypsum heaps, and that's where the gypsum's just been stockpiled in the corner of the paddock and then spread out, but there's residual gypsum in those areas. And uh, he's done some really neat work in looking at the chemistry, you know, sort of within those heaped areas and outside to see how much gypsum really you need to actually change the chemistry of those soil profiles. Thank you, David. That was great. <laughs>